0: Welcome to Nine Cents. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world. I'm your host, Reverend Campbell. It's great to have you. It's December 19th, Sunday, Satan Day. Let Satan take Sunday back, right? If for no other reason, alliteration, right? Anyway, got a great show for you this week. In The Devil's Advocate, The Purpose of Life by Magister Nemo. This is from his collection, The Fire From Within, Nemo on Satanism, Volume 1. And in Infernal Informant, I have two directly related articles, but I felt like one was necessary to pay the other off. So we're gonna start with jaw-dropping footage of the first spacecraft to touch the Sun. Not literally, but I'll get into it. And then of course, the second part of that to pay that off would be NASA spacecraft first to enter Sun's corona, uh, corona. Shoot photos up close. So we're going to show those photos, and we're going to talk about space, and you're going to like it. You're going to like science class today, damn it. All right, I won't yell at you anymore, at least for a minute. And we're going to close it out in the Creature Feature with Foundation. This is a (laughs) new—I don't know why I say new. It's been out for like a year, I think. But it's a series on Apple TV, and we're going to talk about it because I just started watching it. But first, I want to give uh, some—I don't know how you refer to it. Is it Addendum? Or is it a reevaluation of two shows that I've discussed previously on this that I kind of tore up, but I'm kind of digging. First of all, last week I went on this really long diatribe about this series Invasion on Apple Plus, Apple TV Plus, and I talked a lot of shit because of one actor giving one really bad accent. But the truth is, is that the show itself, the episode that I watched, I enjoyed, I was just taken out of it because of a bad accent. Well, we finished the series, we watched all the rest of the episodes, and... I was on the edge of my damn seat. This is a really good series. And it wasn't fair to judge the entirety of the series based on one actor's performance who does not appear in any of the other episodes, except for the very first one that I reviewed. But it was amazing. I've been plagued by these, um, just for a bit of context. I've been plagued with um, recurring, I wouldn't call them nightmares because I actually enjoy them, but I can't, I don't know how to categorize them any other way. About sort of the end of the world, alien invasion, trying to survive either other humans or other, you know, entities or something. I've had these recurring nightmares since I was in the military near 20 years ago that's how old i am oh sweet hell and even before that i've had these dreams and it's always me trying to protect my loved ones in an environment of chaos the series invasion is that personified it is so good it's not as good as the the film the road which in my opinion is the best post-apocalyptic film ever made Um, because this isn't really post-apocalyptic invasion. It's like right before and during that, that, that turn into post-apocalyptic. It's brilliant. It's really good. And if you like sci-fi and you like aliens and stuff like I do, you're really going to dig it. So I highly recommend you go back, ignore my review of the first episode because I'm a maniac anyway. (laughs) Don't listen to me until now. Now you listen to me. Watch the damn series. It's great. And it got horrible reviews, which is gonna be paid off in my review of Foundation thus far, because I got some things to say about it. Uh, For those of you people who say you don't like sci-fi. But then, The Wheel of Time. I was not impressed with the premiere episode. I was not really impressed with the second episode. And I'm gonna be honest with you, I'm not really impressed with what I've seen thus far, but I am enjoying it. Like, I am still watching it. It's not over yet, the first season. So not the best fantasy series out there. It's not bad though. Like it's not it's not bad. It's one of those where if I feel like I miss a few beats, I really don't care that much. You know, I don't need to like I'm not like nail clutching the seat in front of me as if I was in a theater or something. Just you know, on the edge of my seat waiting for the next moment. But I do kind of enjoy watching it. So, you know, if if you want to experience a fantasy series that has a clearly a large budget and they're trying it's just not that good but they're trying and if you want to give a show a shot based on fantasy and trying alone well i'd give a good b minus to wheel of time and you should probably check it out because it's it's kind of fun i don't know it's something to watch anyway let me just put it this way i watched it or, or it premieres the new episodes premiere on fridays on amazon prime When Friday hit and passed, I didn't think about it. And then Saturday, I was like, oh, yeah, we didn't watch the new Wheel of Time episode. Should we watch it? So it's not like must-see TV, but we still tune in. That's something, right? (laughs) I know it's not what the producers want to hear, but it's something. All right. Anyway, Uh, Gary, how you doing, man? Thanks for joining live. I appreciate you. William, what's up, my friend? It's good to see you. Farith, thanks for joining. Valeria, always great to see you in the chat. Jordan, what's up? Christopher Lee, always great to see you, man. We're still gonna do that uh, Joe Bob Briggs. No, I'm second guessing the name that I threw it out there, but we're still gonna do that episode. I promise. Wes Vanderpool, my man in Amsterdam. How you doing, Terry Deeth? What's up, dog, dog? It's been forever. I hope you are fine. <laughs> I don't know why I said it like that. In Pendulum, what's up, Lazarus? How you doing, anyone? After the fact, at Chili's. Uh, <laughs> Achilles, I bet that fucking chap's your head. Achilles, thanks for joining live and chat. I wanted, Before we get into the show, I want to talk about a couple other things. I might get a little sentimental, so bear with me just for a second. We'll get to Satan's stuff here in a second. Uh, one of the greatest joys of my life... Oy, it's already starting to hit me. One of the greatest joys of my life was um after my daughter was born and my wife went in uh to get her tubes tied as it were i was just holding my daughter dancing and singing to her dancing with her and singing to her brand new out of the womb they just you know wrapped her up gave her the shots rubbed the shit on her face on her eyes brand new infant and it was just me and her and i gotta just sort of be with her and the years that followed were amazing i i developed this wonderful connection to my daughter where we would walk to school hand in hand every morning and i felt like we built up this really wonderful connection and relationship and then one day she didn't want me to walk her to school anymore and that hurt and then another day she began to individuate and her door was closed and she didn't want anything to do with us and another day she started being really mean and spiteful And then out of nowhere, one this uh, last week, we were, we had this huge snowstorm and I was at the end of the day, exhausted, a little laundry, but that's just me. And I just turned on the TV to watch something. I don't really even care what it is. I just want to sort of not think about the day. And she was like, Hey, do you guys want to go outside and, and uh, help me build this snowman? And I said, you know, I'm really kind of tired. I don't really want to. And immediately after I said that, I thought fuck you just missed out like this was this was your chance you know like she asked you to spend time with her and you said no and it it like hit me really hard and the next day i was feeling really terrible about it and then i guess uh, my wife and her decided you know we'd try the next day to go out and, and build a snowman And we went out and the snow was too powdery. It wouldn't stick together. And so it ended up in being like a snow fight. And that one moment of being with her and just like doing like a little stupid snowball fight. It brought me right back, man. It's all I needed. It was great. Being a parent sucks sometimes you know you want them to be like connected to you you want to give them the relationship that maybe you didn't have in my particular case i didn't have a particularly close relationship with my family and so you want to have that connection and you understand that they have to individuate they have to get a sense of themselves but when they ask man you got to come you got to be there and i'm glad i could have had that moment you know and the next day, my parents came over and we sort of had the, the grandparents sort of holiday visit where we played a board game and it was just the family and, and we had a good time. Don't take shit like that for granted, you know. If they ask you, you want to do something, drop what you're doing. Because you'll regret it if you don't. And it's not like I don't have another hopefully million chances. But just missing that one... That was enough to make me hurt as a dad, you know, so keep it in mind. That's all. Um, all right, that's it. let let's dive into the show. Let's do this. Terry. Thanks for joining live. How you doing? It's tough watching them grow up and you feel like they've forgotten about you, but they do some sweet shit and you become mushy. <laughs> yeah, dude. Welcome to my life. <laughs> all right, let's do a little devil's advocate. Thank you. I thought, why not do a, a, I don't know, a human experience type episode, right? So we're going to be talking about science and exploration, a huge part of the human spirit, the sense of adventure. We're going to be talking about a science fiction series that's ripe with the human experience um, and examining human motivations and stuff. So why not lead off? With what the hell is the purpose of life? <laughs> you know, and there was I was looking through a bunch of different um, essay collections, satanic essay collections, and for the life of me, I couldn't find anything that really resonated. And then I ran across this one, and if you were part of the book club, like Dog knows, we were in the book club together um when I was running it, and we read this book together, and so we talked about all of these essays. And it was a good time, but I'd never really spoken to you guys about this essay. And I thought maybe if we're just going to be talking about the human experience, maybe this would be a good time to talk about the purpose of life, right? Now, to be fair, I do not have glowing reviews for this essay. I think it's good. I think it's flawed. And that's as fair as anyone can be about anything, right? Uh, Certainly anything I've ever done. Um... But that being said, I want to make sure that everyone understands that I do find the collection, The Fire From Within, Nemo and Satanism, Volume 1, is very worthwhile. Uh, It is a very good read, and it gives you perspectives on Satanism and aspects of popular culture uh, that directly relate to Satanism and expound on it in some very interesting ways. So it's definitely worth a read. So any criticisms I may have about any particular essay, whether it's this one or whether it's last week's, I still think the collections are worthwhile. And I think the essays still have something to say, if for nothing else, to provoke these types of conversations. So that being said, you should check it out for yourself and develop your own opinion. That being said, the purpose of life is structured, the essay is structured around this idea of a film. And so it's extrapolated out from a film. I have not seen the film. I'm basing this entirely on the written word in the essay itself. So it starts out with um, this idea of what is the purpose of life, right? And the quote here is to understand the purpose of life. We only need to listen carefully to those who have chosen death. They speak of despair, fear, pain, anger, and tragedy. It amounts to a belief that there was no further possibility for fun in their lives. So the argument is that the only way that we can understand the purpose of life is to look at people who wanted to try to end their life and reverse engineer from there. Whatever they say was the cause of their desire to end it is the purpose? All right, so already it's flawed and it actually kind of bothers me, but we're gonna continue. Uh, He includes Viktor Frankl The man who wrote man's search for meaning. And he says that in that they observed that it was finding meaning, individual people were finding meaning in life, a purpose, a worthwhile goal to achieve, which was the common feature of those who survived the Nazi death camp in Auschwitz. So for Jews in a death camp, the meaning of life or the reason why they survived, that spark that kept them going was to find some sort of meaning. a purpose, some sort of goal. And that purpose or goal is what drove them to survive in the face of those who did not. And I enjoyed the essay and I believe that it has some like seeds of truth in it. But if you're going to tackle a subject as real as the purpose of life, And you're simply going to distill it down to, well, the purpose of life is the opposite of those who decide to kill themselves. You're doing a massive disservice to not only the idea of the purpose of life, but to those who have tried to fucking kill themselves. Like, oh, well, if you just understood that you could have more fun, you wouldn't try to kill yourself. What kind of infantile bullshit is that? And it may be unfair to distill it in that manner, but that's how it's presented. It's infuriating. Uh, As someone who suffers from depression from time to time, it is not a choice that I make. I do not wake up one day and say, I'm going to feel down today. I'm not going to come away from an event in my life and say, you know what? Because of that singular event, I want to kill myself. It is so much more complex than that. Simply because I'm not having fun. I can't go in the the ball pit at, at, at fucking McDonald's. I need to off myself. It's insulting. There are chemical imbalances that everyone has. And some people suffer from such an imbalance that they don't get the choice of whether they feel good or not. It just hits them. It's not a choice. You're fine one minute, and you're fucking drowning the next. Now, there are things that you can do to try to shift what you're experiencing as someone who suffers from these chemical imbalances. But it's not fun. You don't enjoy it. You don't enjoy life. And that's the problem. You can't find fun when you suffer from this it's a fundamental misunderstanding of what depression and suicide actually is trying to spin it in some ridiculous fucking coochie way of oh well if you just had more fun you'd be okay all right you clearly have never dealt with it and seemingly never researched it because you would have come up with a different understanding or at least i would hope that you have come up with a different presentation of the information. There are actions that people can take that alter the natural chemical imbalance that can cause depression. And again, there are many reasons to be depressed. It's not always simply a chemical issue. Sometimes it is a lifestyle issue. Sometimes it's just a... A, a, a fleet of the moment thought that you just happen to have access to the, the demise that you seek. But for most people who try and fail, it's a process of consideration. It's not something that is just a fleeting thought. They've been dwelling on it for a very long time. It doesn't make them weak, it doesn't make them less than, it doesn't make them inferior. It's simply a reality that they're trying to navigate that you have never had to try to navigate. And so you don't understand it. It doesn't make you any less or greater. It makes you ignorant to the experience. But guess what? That's human. There's a lot of experiences that I will never understand, that I am infinitely ignorant to. That doesn't make me less than simply because I'm ignorant to them. It just means that I don't know. And if you've never had to deal with it, you don't No, and the best case scenario if you don't know is to not talk about it because it makes you look stupid but if you do suffer from these issues how do you find a purpose in life how do you find a direction and there are things that you can do natural things other than taking medication though some people have to take medication in order to attempt to correct the chemical imbalance and one of them is mentioned in the Auschwitz prison camp setting goals it sounds trite it sounds overly simplistic but even if the goal is i'm going to wake up tomorrow it's a goal it's something to strive for right Set goals, as noted in the essay, is one really, really good way to fight off depression. Another is to exercise regularly. It boosts, <laughs> it boosts. It sticks a hose in your ass and pours alcohol in it. Um, no, it boosts your uh, endorphins in your brain, which fights off depression in a natural way. I don't enjoy exercising. I actually dread it. I hate it. I know tomorrow morning I have to wake up at 5.30 in the fucking morning and I have to strength train and then I have to fucking run. And I don't want to do it. I don't feel like I should do it. But I do it because I feel horrible if I don't. It boosts the endorphins in my brain to try to keep me on a sane path in life. Eating healthy. And what does healthy mean? I mean, there's a little bit of leeway there. But... In general, staying away from salt and sugars is a huge bonus. Eating a variety of fruits, meats, and vegetables will feed you the vitamins and minerals that your body desperately craves in order to function properly, which can also help alter chemical balances. Getting enough sleep. This is one people, you know, when you're a kid, all you want to do is stay up. What are the adults doing when I go to sleep? I want to stay up and experience what what the adults experience. And when you're an adult, you don't want to go to sleep because you're partying with your friends or you're having too much fun or maybe you're you're binging a couple more episodes in a series that you're enjoying. Nowadays, specifically. Um, But sleep is incredibly important. It helps regulate your brain. And as much as we like to think of ourselves something greater than the physical form that we exhibit, and that we exist in. Our bodies are, <laughs> are everything. You need to allow your body the opportunity to rest and recuperate. And that goes for exercise. And that goes for even eating. And that definitely goes for day-to-day exertion. You need to let your brain relax. And that is sleep. Find a way to get a lot of sleep. Accept responsibilities in life. And this is something that Satanists should all... Celebrate and understand, right? You need to accept responsibility. You need to take on responsibility and meet those expectations that are put on you. And yes, that's stress, but stress is not always a bad thing. Sometimes stress is what's needed to give you purpose, to give you direction. So accept responsibilities. You cannot just sit on the couch all day, every day and expect you to feel good about yourself. You have to challenge yourself. We used to have to fight for survival just to survive. That fight is significantly diminished for our generation. So we need to manufacture means. Accept responsibility. If you have a kid, pay attention to them. Be a part of their lives. If you have a significant other, be involved with them. Get a hobby. Find something that you're interested in. Read. Create art. Write. There are an infinite amount of hobbies that you can undertake that provide a semblance of responsibility, whether it's just simply time and schedule or whether it's uh, participating in a greater way so that you're actually uh, supporting other players or, or other individuals engaged in it. Start a book club um challenge your negative thoughts this is not easy this is a tough one to uh sort of strip the uh the curtain back a little bit i find myself from time to time staring in the mirror i don't even know i'm doing it and just being really negative you can realize what you're doing if you can realize that you're actually shutting yourself down and causing a a weird cycle you can disrupt the cycle right we talk about in satanism the idea of challenging all things established notions of society satanism itself challenge these ideas find out for yourself whether they're real or true same thing with the stuff you tell yourself Challenge them. If you think you're worthless, if you think you're less than, why? Why are you worthless? Why are you less than anyone else? Why does it matter? Why do you care what other people are or are not? Why aren't you focusing on you? Challenge these negative ideas in the same way you challenge everything else. And you might be able to break through a cycle that you are keeping yourself in unknowingly. Try something new in life. There's um, that great little quip that her doctor said, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. If you still don't succeed, try someone or something new. If you're stuck in a rut, change the view. Make a change. You don't have to stay in misery. It's a choice. And ultimately... Avoid alcohol and drugs. Hmm. That was a little tongue-in-cheek, but it's true. Alcohol is a depressant. It brings you down. It's addictive. So are drugs. Legal or otherwise. Um, they'll bring you up temporarily. But it's twice as hard to come back from it. That's the point. So... If you suffer from trying to find purpose in life, avoid indulgences like alcohol and drugs. And it may help you. The purpose of life is one that is crafted by the individual. There is no God. There's no devil. It's something that we have to come to terms with on our own. There's nothing that says that you should survive as an individual, that you are significant in any way to anyone. There's no sanctity of life. There's the random chaos of the universe, the fact that many, many coincidences had to have happened in order for you to even exist So why look anywhere else for purpose? Why not look within yourself for purpose? Why not manufacture purpose? Let's capitalize on that random chaos of existence by doing our damnedest to experience and enjoy as much as we can while we're here. We need to recognize that life brings with it heartache and sorrow, pain and regret, but that these are normal aspects of life. They help to contextualize the joys that we can experience and the pleasures that we can experience. Life is gonna knock you down Living is getting back up and moving forward. And as a Satanist, it is the understanding of that and the grabbing life by the f- collar and forcing your way through. Saying, I don't have to to live up to your expectations. I'm making my own. and In some cases, they're gonna be greater. They're gonna be harder to live up to. But that's what I wanna do, because that's the, my purpose in life, is to be a better version of me and not to try to live up to whatever manufactured life that you have chosen for yourself or for other people around you. And there's nothing more satanic than taking ownership Of the purpose of your own life. So I don't necessarily think that essay was the best example of what it tried to convey. I do think there were some good points in it that it made. I thought it was lacking in context and development of the idea. But I still think the essay collection is definitely worthwhile. And I think it's worth you checking out. So Do it. (laughs) Don't take my word for it. You guys ever watch Reading Rainbow? Don't take my word for it. All right. That's it for this Infernal Informant. Let's do a little... That's it for this Devil's Advocate. (laughs) Let's do a little Infernal Informant. Christopher is six days a week and the kettlebell has yet to shoot me booze. <laughs> yeah. All right. This is, this is just me nerding out. So if you don't like space or science, maybe go watch something else because you're not going to enjoy this. But if you do, you're definitely going to dig what I'm about to present here. I thought I had a video. Where's the video? I want to show the video first here and then I'm going to give you context after I show you the video. Um, alright. Alright, so, what is that? What could that possibly be? That is a spacecraft that we humans created that is flying directly into the sun's corona and witnessing elements and solar wind blasting past it. I'm going to show I'm going to put it on a loop. Because this is amazing. Where's the loop? Damn it, I don't see the option. Oh, here it is. What the hell? Forever. There we go. This is a spacecraft flying through space that we launched in 2018, I think, that has been flying toward the sun since 2018 so that we can study the sun. And this is it crossing that event horizon of the gravitational force which ejects Solar wind and shoots it out toward the rest of the universe and then holds some of it back. And we can see the Milky Way. We can see some planets, as you're seeing right there, from that, that, that uh, satellite flying, looking away from the sun, flying in orbit of the sun. We're flying into the sun. <laughs> if that doesn't blow your mind, I, I, I don't know what to tell you. That's amazing. That's amazing. We're seeing a view from the sun. Oh my gosh. The Milky Way right there. Genuinely amazing. This just was released a couple days ago. Okay. Jaw-dropping footage of the first spacecraft to touch the sun. It didn't actually touch the sun because the sun doesn't have anything to touch. It's... (laughs) It's it's just fusion. Uh, Which image am I going to throw up here? We'll put this one. What image am I going to put up? I'll put up this one. I don't know. I'll do this one. The footage shows what the Parker Solar Probe saw as it passed through the sun's corona back in August 2021, flying through structures known as the coronal streamers. These structures can be seen as bright features moving upward and downward, in the video compiled from the spacecraft's Whisper, Wide Field Image for Parker Solar Probe instrument, the JHU Applied Physics Laboratory wrote, Such a view is only possible because the spacecraft flew above and below the streamers inside the corona. Until now, streamers have only been seen from afar. These are the same streamers that can ca- be captured from Earth in photos of Totor <laughs> I can't even speak. Total... Solar eclipses and I'm going to show you a picture here of that So I want you to understand what I'm talking about. So if you look at the light I got to move my hand here. If you look at the light around it, you can actually see little streams moving like Individual beams of light coming out and bending back. Those are the streamers. They're being pulled back by the gravity of the Sun itself that is the field area that this satellite went through So it didn't actually go through the sun or touch the sun. It went through the field around the sun where gravity still has the strength to pull back light. Which is amazing. Um, Flying so close to the sun, Parker Solar Probe now senses conditions in the magnetically dominated layer of the solar atmosphere, the corona, Those we never could before, uh, said Parker. Scientist Nor Rauwafi? Sorry dude, I butchered that name. We see evidence of being in the corona in magnetic field data, solar wind data, and visually in images. We can actually see the spacecraft flying through the coronal structures that can be observed during the total solar eclipse. The Milky Way can be seen rotating across the frame in the time lapse. But what's even more incredible is that multiple planets in the solar system were also captured in the images. There are even views of Earth as seen from within the sun's atmosphere. The Parker Solar Probe will continue to make closer and closer approaches to the sun's surface until the, uh, over the coming months, and it's likely to enter the sun's corona again as early as next month. Again, it's got to orbit. So <laughs> it takes time once it passes through to be pulled back by the sun's gravitational force and be put right back into orbit. I'm excited to see the Parker Solar Probe finds and uh, it repeatedly passes through the corona in the years to come, says NASA Heliophysics Division Director Nikki Fox. The opportunity for new discoveries is boundless. So I want to show some of the planets that can be seen in this image because it's brilliant. It's fascinating. We got Mercury. We got Mars. You can see Venus. From the sun's perspective, we don't get this. This is not something that any human has ever seen. No entity that we know of has ever experienced this before. This is a first for humanity. Appreciate that. It's brilliant. The Milky Way. Now, for those of us who live in more rural areas or go camping and appreciate the night sky, that's not poisoned by ambient light from cities or towns. You may have never seen the Milky Way, but it is always ever-present up there. You can always see it. When you go camping, it's there to greet you. Hello, human. It's been a long time. (laughs) There's something primal about it, man. You get to see colors in the night darkness of the sky. You're looking back in time. Because the amount of time it takes for the light from those stars and galaxies to reach us is literally hundreds of thousands of years in the past that it's taken for that light to reach us. So as we're gazing at the night sky, we are time traveling. Literally. It's beautiful. It's brilliant. What other sentient creature do we know on Earth that contextualize that, can experience? We're looking through space-time at our own galaxy's past and the beauty of it. God damn. It's amazing. Alright, one more. And there we are. The Earth. Jupiter is so massive that it has the same signature as Earth. It's, a, it's amazing. It's just amazing. You got Saturn there in the corner. And you got some of those elements. That that furnace of the sun is creating flying across the camera screen. This is is a satellite that humanity has created. It took all of our evolution to get to this point as a species. All of the time that we have ever existed in order to create something that could withstand the heat of the sun at this distance. And I'm going to get into how far it is away. It's a long ways away. And yet we've never seen anything like this before. And we live in a time where we can get the view of the earth from the sun. The very reason we exist, this star in the center of our solar system is the only reason we exist. And stars in general are the only reason anything exists because they literally make the building blocks not just of life, but of matter. Man, that's creation. I don't care how nerdy it is. I think it's amazing. All right, so to pay that off, let's talk about this next one. I don't know what image to throw up here. Eh, I'll do this one again. It's, it's, It's such a good one. NASA spacecraft first to enter sun's corona shoot photos up close. That headline could use a lot of massaging. That is really rough. For the first time ever a spacecraft has touched the sun, NASA has announced that the Parker Solar Probe flew through the sun's upper atmosphere and captured coronal streamers up close, something only ever previously seen from afar. The Parker Solar Probe was launched in 2018 to examine the sun by the traveling by traveling closer to it than any spacecraft has ever done previously. Three years later, it has finally achieved that goal. Parker Solar Probe touching the sun is a monumental moment for solar science and a truly remarkable feat. Thomas uh, (laughs) Zurburkin, I butchered that name too, sorry dude, the associate administrator of the Science Mission Directorate at NASA headquarters in Washington says, Not only does the milestone provide us with a deeper insight into our sun's evolution and its impacts on our solar system, but everything we learn about our own star teaches us more about stars in the rest of the universe. During its April flyby, the- now this is saying an April flyby, but the other article said August, so clearly it's making cyclical hits. Uh, The Parker Solar Probe passed in and out of the sun's upper atmosphere, called the corona, several times. NASA says that this proved what some scientists had predicted about the star's surface. It isn't shaped like a smooth ball, but rather has spikes and valleys that wrinkle the surface. NASA says that discovering where these Protrusions line up with solar activity coming from the surface can help scientists learn how events on the sun affect the atmosphere and solar winds. So the surface of the sun has these cells, like, like they're right next to each other. This space in between the cells it's where there's just slightly less gravitational pull. And so these streamers come out at a further distance. And then as soon as they get close to the rest of the mass of the sun, it's pulled back. And then it's jutted back out again as that sort of surface roils and moves, right? So the gravitational force sort of ebbs and flows a bit so that when these particles go out, they get pulled back in and they go back out again. Well, those little divots are what the solar probe went through in order to prove they exist, which is kind of amazing. Um, sorry, I'm, I'm sort of geeking out of that stuff. Let's see. Uh, During its April fly by the particles passing into the sun's atmosphere called... Okay, I did that one. Um, During its many close flybys, the probe dipped beneath 15 solar radii around 6.5 million miles from the sun's surface and transisted a feature in the corona called a pseudo-streamer. Pseudo-streamers are the massive structures that rise above the sun's surface and are what are visible on Earth during solar eclipses. So those are those. Uh, light arcs of, of white that you see in this photo here. That's these, like little spirals going, like jutting out from the, the corner. Passing through the pseudostreamers was like flying into the eye of a storm, NASA explains. Inside the pseudostreamer, the conditions quieted, particles slowed, and the number of switchbacks, the particle being pulled by the gravity, um, dropped. A dramatic change from the busy barrage of particles the spacecraft usually encounters in the solar wind. As the Parker Solar Probe passed through the corona, it photographed these coronal streamers and it provided a perspective that had previously only been visible from afar, as mentioned, namely during solar eclipses as viewed from the Earth. The Parker Solar Probe will continue to spiral closer to the Sun and will eventually reach as close as 8.86 solar radii or 3.83 million miles from the surface. The next major flyby is scheduled to take place in January of 2022, and NASA said that that will likely bring it close enough to fly through the corner again. It's really exciting to see our advancing technologies succeed in taking Parker Solar Probe closer to the sun than we've ever been, and to be able to return such amazing science, Joseph Smith, Parker Program Executive at NASA Headquarters says. We look forward to seeing what else the mission discovers as it ventures even closer to the coming years. Um... Why do any of this? Why do we care? Why does it matter? This is the human experience. This is literally what we have crafted out of our species. What we have evolved into through the chaos of evolution. We wonder, what is over that hill? And we go and find out. Sometimes people get killed and they don't come back. And we send more people over to find out. And eventually we find out and we might see something that we don't understand. Say, why the hell is that there? Well, I got a theory. Let's test it. And that's what we do. So one side of our species of our evolutionary traits are to create these tribal empires and to destroy other tribal empires, create and destroy. And another aspect is to adventure and discover. And all of this combined creates this truly amazing species that can be poisonous to itself in some horrible ways, but it opens up to experiences that no one else in the universe that we know of has ever experienced before. What greater purpose in life could there be? than discovery and understanding. That's what science is giving to us. That's what we're doing as a species we've always done. And while most of humanity is so concerned about their little square on the patch of dirt that they're standing on, that they're willing to kill and be killed over it. Some of us are just fascinated by the mystery of existence of reality. Maybe just want to learn a little bit more. Every expression of humanity is valid. It's what we are. It's how we've gotten to where we are. But that's what's so fantastic about our species. Sometimes we're so short-sighted that we destroy ourselves because we don't want to look outside of our own tribe. And sometimes we can reach the fucking sun. That's amazing to me, that's amazing. All right, what do you guys have to say? In two semesters of astronomy, I never heard the term streamers. I wonder if they're talking about prominences. I don't know, I, I actually don't know. I, I'm not educated enough to answer that question. That's, I think that's a really good question. I hope if someone else in the chat can, you will. Realizing how tiny and insignificant we are blow is mind-blowing and very cool. Yeah, I agree. Uh, no matter how... Oh, damn it, where is it? No matter how you fucked up in your world today, somewhere, an entire fucking star is exploding or being born. Yeah. I, I suppose some people find that terrifying. I find that amazing and kind of comforting, too. I really do. I think it's great. Uh, the sun is convection, meaning hotter and cooler. It's constantly mixing and churning. The prominences are simply a result of this mix. I think, I mean, due to your description, dog, it does sound like it is. It's the result of, of that convection that you're talking about. I love the idea that, and I, I always put it in terms of a black hole because I think the terminology works, but... I may get like attacked by people who've studied this because I haven't studied it. I'm just a novice that's interested. Um, the idea of a black hole having an event horizon, which is the place in which light cannot move past, it is the place where gravity is too strong that not even light can escape, right? So that event horizon. There's, that corona is a similar atmospheric event horizon of sorts where you have these particles shooting out but the majority of them are actually stalled within that corona, that, that sort of event horizon atmospheric plane that we're flying through on this, this solar probe. I think it's super cool. And it infuriates me whenever you run across any of these science deniers or fundamentalist Christians who want to try to say that we're just making this stuff up or it doesn't matter. Where's your sense of adventure, of spirit? You have been bred out of humanity for the most of humanity because of your narrow-sightedness. You're just the last hangers-on. Don't you want to join in the experience of our species? Let loose your ridiculous Bronze Age fairy-tale ideals and just put your foot in the fucking water! It's warm, it feels fine and it's okay to be wrong and it's okay to make judgments that end up being incorrect. It's okay to hypothesize about things and find them wrong. You don't have to always be right. Life does not have to be in this contained little sphere. The chaos can actually inspire you. It doesn't have to sadden you. I find this stuff endlessly fascinating. And I'm so glad that there are people out there doing this. And I think this is where we should be throwing all of our money, not at preparing for wars that we manufacture in order to raise the economy, but to research, to better our species and ultimately ourselves. I don't know. But that brings us to our third segment today. Creature feature. Okay, so I am, I've never read any of Isaac Asimov's writings. I know he is a prolific uh, science fiction author and scientist, I believe. But I'm coming to this totally ignorant. So when I watch this series, I do not know the difference between the novels that he wrote versus what is being presented on screen. Through a little bit of research, I've discovered that there are significant differences, but... They are meant to pay off the SPIRIT of the writings. And I think whenever it comes to adapting any type of literary information to visual formats, mediums, you have to give some allowance. You cannot do a one-to-one. The human imagination is infinitely more detailed than you could ever have visually, even in 8K, even on IMAX screens. Like, there are decisions you need to make when it comes to time and when it comes to logic that are not a factor in a novel or a novella that are a factor on screen. And so, I'm always okay whenever you have a book that's translated to screen that makes allowances. You know, for example, I'm a huge fan of The Doors. The Doors movie is not reality. They mix characters and humans up into a singular character in order to pay off the spirit of an idea. I'm okay with that. That's what human storytelling is. That's what we've always done. We've truncated stories, we've combined aspects in order to weave a more interesting tale. And ultimately, when you think about it, that's all the novel's doing in the first place. So we're paying homage to the novel in a different medium. So I'm okay with books taking liberties. I'm sorry, I'm okay with uh visual medias taking liberties of written medias and this is all to set up that people who are hardcore isaac asimov fans they were up in arms for at least a little while (laughs) in the same way that tolkien fans are going to be up in arms whenever you see the hobbit trilogy which expanded and changed things or game of thrones fans are when they realize that you know um Uh, there's going to be changes from the novels and Benioff and Weiss are going to end up fucking the entire series by trying to truncate the final season in order to make a Star Wars movie that they didn't end up making in the first place. What was up with that? Like, that really pissed me off. (laughs) They wrap up a season of an incredibly successful series in order to go make a Star Wars movie that when they were presented with the truly difficult Lucasfilm direction under Disney, they're like, fuck you guys, I'm going to Netflix to make movies with them. And then they didn't even do that! (laughs) What the hell? What's going on with these people? Alright, anyway. Um, I digress, as per usual. Uh, IMDb gives this a 7.4 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes has it a 70% tomato meter, that's all the critics, but the audience only gives it a 56% score. And juxtaposing... 57% of audience viewers watching a science fiction series and being disappointed with Invasion, which I think had like in the 40s or something, and it's a science fiction movie series. I don't think people really like science fiction that are reviewing these films because if you like science fiction, it's not supposed to be reality, it's fiction. The drama's there, the story is there. You just have to divorce yourself from the written stories that you're expecting and appreciate the homage to the written stories that you're presented with. And as far as Invasion's concerned, that was a brilliant series. It kept you on the edge of your seat. There was two episodes where I was like holding my breath. I was panicked. We were experiencing a storm outside and I was freaked the fuck out. Like, I was, like, messed up. That's how good it was. This has not gotten me there yet. But I do genuinely appreciate it. Because what I'm finding in this series is what I find when I watch um, the, the, the PBS series The Universe, for example. Or um, Neil deGrasse Tyson did a series. Um, I can't remember what it was. But it basically just talks about the birth of the universe and humanity. Anytime I watch any of these science fact series, as we understand science right now, there's this feeling I get of, of uh, a bit of a thrill, you know, this excitement, this promise of possibility and wonder. I got that with watching the science fiction film, and, and there's there's some horror-based science fiction, and there's some drama-based science fiction movies. Um, in series that I genuinely appreciate that do the same thing. But if you just want to feel that sense of wonder and questioning, um, that celebration of the human experience that I'm always talking about, that I'm always sort of masturbating to the idea of, cause I'm just like, yeah, humanity, um, this movie is giving, or this series is giving it to me in spades. It presents some really wonderful mysteries, um. And again, I haven't read any of the fun, uh, foundation writings. So I'm going into this cold. And it, it's really good. Like, I'm really enjoying it. Okay, that being said, I think it's it should be infinitely better than the 57% Rotten Tomatoes score. I think the 7.4 is fair, though, on IMDb. That, that seems more realistic. It's a science fiction streaming television series created by David S. Goyer and Josh Friedman on Apple TV+. I have to explain this to my dad, because... He doesn't understand apple tv is the hardware device apple tv plus is the streaming service that apple provides on the hardware in the same way that disney plus is a streaming service apple tv plus is the streaming service like netflix or hulu it's based on the foundation series of stories by Isaac Asimov it features an ensemble cast led by Jared Harris and Lee Pace Foundation premiered on September 24, 2021, and in October 2021, the series was renewed for a second season. And the logline is this. Foundation chronicles the thousand-year saga of the Foundation, a band of exiles who discover that the only way to save the Galactic Empire from destruction is to defy it. So the premise is this, and it's set up in the first episode, so I don't feel like I'm destroying any surprises or anything. Um, mathematicians realize that uh, history functions mathematically, and there is a period of darkness that is coming. This period of darkness is going to be apocalyptic. It's going to keep all of humanity, and this is a spacefaring age, where multiple planets in solar systems, uh, you know, travel and, and communicate with each other. It's all controlled by this galactic empire. Anyway, um, that this entire all of the empire, all of humanity on every one of these worlds is going to plummet into darkness for a thousand years. Or I think it was like 3,000 years or something. Anyway, the math is saying that it's going to be epics of ages before humanity climbs out of this darkness. Now, we on our own planet have experienced this. Literally, we call it the Dark Ages. Thank you, Catholic Church. Um, but <laughs> we, we, have, we have stifled our own imaginations for thousands of years, so it's not a stretch of the imagination to think that it could happen again in humanity, right? And in the historical record um, um, geologically, we have proven that there are ancient civilizations that we're just discovering now that could do things tens of thousands of years before they should have been able to do things. So we know that civilizations in our own planet have risen, been decimated, and have risen again. It's just something, it's the cycle of human life. It's the circle of life. (laughs) This is what we do, right? So to see it expanded out in sci-fi, I think is kind of comforting because we can connect and relate. That being said, there's a way to shorten it. If we make certain alterations to the established patriarchy, as it were. Well, the Galactic Empire doesn't want to do that but they're going to hedge their bets. And so they send something called the foundation, which is this group that is going to contain all of the information of humanity that is germane to starting over again, right? So it's basically a time capsule to help restart civilization once it completely collapses. Now we can argue that this has been done in our past and we're just now uncovering it. Goblaki Tepe is a perfect example of that. Where you have this proof of Uh, Advanced civilization that was intentionally buried before catastrophe struck and that civilization was wiped off the planet. And so our only knowledge of its existence is by us digging up the ground and realizing that it did in fact once exist. Well, this is a form of that. So they're creating this foundation in order to preserve knowledge and information for future generations. So ultimately, we're coming into this series at the very tail end of its glory years. We're going to witness the fall and, I suspect, the rebirth. It's an amazing premise! From a science fiction standpoint, from a humanity standpoint, this is everything that I've ever had nightmares about. You know, those recurring dreams of civilization falling and me trying to protect those that I love. That's this! It's really fascinating to me. Anyway. In January 2021, Goyer stated, with Foundation, we can tell a story, hopefully, over the course of 80 episodes. 80 hours! As opposed to trying to condense it all into two or three hours for a film. I I want to... We're in a time right now with streaming television series. I, I don't even know if you can call it television. With streaming series where you can tell grand stories that we used to try to condense into a trilogy or a sextet of films or something, you know? You only had two hours of attention span in order to tell a complex narrative. We've thrown all of that out. Now we're devoting 80 hours, a potential eight seasons of 10 episodes of one hour each, in order to tell a complex narrative with generations of of characters and just in the first few episodes that we've watched so far they've gone through three generations it's amazing it's genuinely this is storytelling on a whole new level so those of us who are really you know love reading you know we'll read series for years And it goes from generation to generation telling stories about ancient histories of that world and universe and sort of extrapolating out and stuff. And and we get this really depth. But now it's being delivered to people who maybe don't have the time, patience, or ability to read those types of stories in order to watch them and experience it visually in a whole new medium. And when you think about the science behind it, that you're watching something that's being transmitted through space. In order for you to watch something about space and the human experience, this is an amazing time we're living in. Uh, It's just, it's almost overwhelming in its awesomeness. Our grandparents could never imagine anything like this. And we're living in it taking advantage of it not even thinking about it we we it's expected like i don't have high definition on my fucking telephone so that anywhere on the planet i can watch anything at any time get any access to any human knowledge that has ever existed well that's not fair <laughs> it's just it's amazing It's amazing. This series brought all of that thought all around in my head. And it's not, it's not like life altering or anything. I I think so far the invasion series was better, but this is as core to sci-fi as anyone could ever create. It, it evokes that human experience. Again, that I always talk about it evokes that sense of wonder and questioning um it has some really wonderful uh mysteries with it and then the it's just sort of fun for my wife and i um when we're watching we're like oh is that the kid of that character you know sort of trying to trace lineage and stuff and it's just fun for us to sort of talk about it while we're watching it and sort of being pulled into it 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 not only connects us to each other in a really wonderful way cuz we're sharing an experience but we're also engaging actively with something that we're watching, so we're not just passively experiencing it. We're, we're actively questioning and talking and stuff. I'm sure it would be insane for anyone trying to watch it with us, but that's how we do it. I'm really enjoying it. I think it's a really wonderful series thus far. All right, but there are some changes. What t- how much time am I going here? Oh, I'm already over an hour. Um, in the show notes, I'll do it like this. In the show notes, there are some differences from the original writings compared to the series. I already mentioned that, but they're actually written out the types of differences and why they either benefit or pull away from the fundamental, um, uh, from the foundational texts that this series is being drawn from. I'll conclude. uh, I'll include the link to those differences in the show notes on my website that I'll publish tomorrow. So if you're interested, if you've read those novels or those uh, stories, you can find those differences and try to sort of you know, in your own head canon, fix any questions or problems that you might have with the series. But if you like sci-fi, I really highly suggest you watch this. Um, Apple TV Plus has, has come from a position of having one, two, or three different series or films that are interesting to really developing into a, a streaming platform that I think is worthwhile. It's certainly for the months cost of, I think it's like six bucks for a month. First of all, Servant is coming back next year. Servant is M. Night Shyamalan's um, streaming series on Apple+. Plus. It's really good. I've spoken to it in a previous show, so I'm not going to gush about it again, but it's worth watching. There's two seasons out there. The third season is going to be released in January. Um, It's got a lot of, if you are a nature nut like I am, it has some documentaries from David Attenborough and some other really wonderful creators that just examine life, right? The human existence is not the beginning and end of life. We're just one small aspect of it that happens to share the same planet, the same rock that's hurling through space around this magnificent sun that we just got a close up look of. Um, if you appreciate the diversity of life and the, the, the The presentations that you can find it uh, in. It's got a lot of really great docs. It's not the only one. Hulu, Netflix, they're all doing great. Amazon Prime is doing great. But it does have some draws as a streaming service. And I, I highly recommend checking it out. Because um, I'm always surprised at, at what I find in it. And what I want to watch whenever I turn it on. That being said, Foundation as a series... Is definitely worth it if you like sci-fi, if you like science, if you like drama. It's worth it. Visually, it's beautiful. It is so much more beautiful than Wheel of Time. (laughs) It's just stunning. Um, But I do enjoy the story too, and that's always a (laughs) bonus. So check it out if you get an opportunity. I'm going to stop gushing about this stuff because that's going to close out today's episode. (sighs) Let me just say, thank you. Thank you for your time and attention. Thank you for, I don't know, giving me a reason to turn on this camera once a week and share my craziness with other people. It's not always strictly about Satanism, but it's always about human experience. Um, And whether that's a very personal moment of me sharing a story, or whether it's me trying to extrapolate from a news article Uh, or a series, or an essay that another Satanist has written. Ultimately, through the YouTube chat and through my presentation, we're, we're sharing what it means to be human. And I think that's valuable. I think it's worthwhile. This is not the only place that you can get that experience, but I appreciate that you take the time to spend it with me. So thank you very much for your time and attention. If you want to learn more about Satanism, read the satanic bible read the satanic scriptures again if it's been a little while or never Uh, you can always check out churchofsatan.com and there are a ton of wonderful articles essays interviews on there that you can learn a lot from and of course if you want to support this show you can always subscribe (laughs) click the stupid like button comment all of that helps and ultimately i hope you guys have a fantastic week And until next week, Hail Satan. Oh yeah, there's a holiday coming up. (laughs) Enjoy it.